the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick D Podcast. I am Nick DeGilio, your host, and it is episode number 63 of the Nick D Podcast at the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Check out radiomisfits.com for tons of amazing podcasts hosted by really cool people with unbelievable guests, unbelievable topics. Radiomisfits.com, for it's your home for great podcasts. And uh, you can check us all out everywhere. Rate and review us all on every and every and every platform. There you go. Uh, so uh, my thanks to Jason Skaggs for the themes and the music and all the cool stuff. Amazing dude, one of my favorite people in the world. My thanks to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits uh, for uh, being a part of all of this coolness. Hey, if you want to be a part of the Nick D podcast, uh, you want to be a sponsor, lots and lots and lots of people listen to this podcast and subscribe. You will reach a ton. So uh, how about uh, advertising with us, uh, sponsoring us? Contact us, sales at radiomisfits.com. Say, hey, I would like to advertise and sponsor the Nick D podcast, and we'll set that up for you, so do it right now. Contact us, sales at radiomisfits.com. Hey, you want to be a part of the podcast uh, in general, just uh, as a listener, as a subscriber? We want to hear from you. We encourage all the voicemails and all the emails that we can handle with questions and comments and all kinds of observations. Anything you want to say at any time, 24-7, voicemail us, 773-417-6948. Email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. We get a ton of these things. We read them all. We listen to them all. We play many of them back and read many of them back on the podcast. So voicemails, 24-7-773-417-6948. Emails, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. It is episode 63, and uh, if you're listening to this on the day that it drops, it is a Friday, so it's a weekend time. We always have fun on Fridays. Uh, coming up, we will have my buddies Eric Childress and Steve Procopi, two great movie critics, old buddies of mine. Uh, we talk every other Friday on the podcast to review the new movies, talk about movies in general and box office and anything that's happening in the world of cinema. We cover it for you. And I've been reviewing movies for, oh my God, 37 some years. And these guys have been a part of my show when I was at the car wash, the old WGN car wash, which may as well be a car wash night now joke anyway uh and uh, they've been a part of my uh, podcast since the beginning so eric and steve and i will talk movies that's coming up right after this segment ends and my old buddy esmeralda leon will join me as she does on every single episode it's always great just to hang out with esmeralda and talk and tell stories and uh, and discuss uh fun topics and stuff like that well the last time we spoke we talked about crazy neighbor stories she had a couple i had a couple and uh, we opened up the uh the voicemail lines we got a few and we got some emails and stuff like that but we're going to save those up to do a full like reading and listening of all of them. Uh, but we're going to go back to some of our own no- crazy neighbor stories, and we're going to talk about scary freak accident stories. And there's an anniversary today marks a big anniversary that will be a big, wonderful surprise for Esmeralda that she might want to celebrate. 
So all of that is coming up right here on uh, this episode of the program. We will also get a visit from... Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you Hi, do, Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, I and I love Nick's show. She loves my show. What can I say? I love Felicity. I love her. So anyway, uh, all of that stuff is coming up, and we want you to be a part of it, as we've said before. So please do that. And uh, there you go. So that's what's happening on uh, the show today. And uh, let's jump right back into it. Eric, Steve, movies, reviews, all that cool stuff right after I tell you that you need to be congratulated. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jackal. It's the music that we always hear when we talk about movies and movie reviews and movie-related stuff. Uh, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi join me every other Friday, although we missed uh, the last time we were together because uh, we got preempted a little bit by all the crazy shenanigans at the Flashback uh, Weekend Horror Convention. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let's say hello to, uh, to the guys here. Let's uh, start with uh, Eric Childress. Eric, uh, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? All right. All right. Tell everybody where they can read your stuff and see your stuff and look up your stuff on the internet and all that. Yes. Uh, we got uh, two podcasts are available at the Now Playing Network. Uh, the Movie Madness podcast that our good friend Steve Procopi here uh, is a regular weekly guest on. And uh, the Friendship Dilemma, the podcast that I do with Morgan Geyer, uh, we're just, uh, we posted Say Anything uh, a few weeks ago and uh, it's doing very well. So tune into both of those. There you go. Okay. Um, and, uh, Steve Procopi is our, uh, other, uh, critic here. Hi, Steve. Hello. All right. I'm uh, just in the spirit of this week's movies. I am glorious today. Oh, look at uh, that. See what he did there. <laughs> and I'm right. ready for my first kill. Yeah. All right. Okay. Look at that. What are you guys? What are you, what are we, what are we, Rex Reed now? What the hell is it? No, don't ever say that. All right. It's more of a Gene Shallot vibe. Gene yes. Shallot. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, Steve, people can read you and see you on the internets and all that stuff. Where? Uh, you can read me at Third Coast Review. I review pretty much everything. And uh, you can find me hanging out in the lounge at the Music Box Theater most, uh, like every other day on average. So, and yeah. uh, I saw you there last, well, uh, yes. technically it's Friday, but whatever. We're taping it yeah, on yeah. Thursday. And last night there at the Music Box for a screening of uh, Anonymous Club, which is yes. the very unique music documentary about courtney barnett um mm -hmm. who is if you are not familiar with courtney barnett extraordinarily unique and talented uh musical artist from australia um who has an incredible voice and who can rock out and play the guitar and write some insane beautiful lyrics uh like nobody's business and she's got a very interesting life and background considering mm -hmm. You know, her personality, she's got some anxiety issues, uh, painfully shy, and a lot of the stuff that she's written um, in that regard, you can see that if you, you can hear that in her music. And, uh, mm -hmm. and there's this great documentary that they put together about her called Anonymous Club. And uh, last night at the Music Box, you did a preview screening of it. And, uh, and Steve, uh, uh, you got to do the Q&A with Courtney Barnett herself, who showed up. 
Yeah, she and, and you know, I, I as much as I knew going into this, she was a little shy around crowds, especially when she's not singing. <laughs> she's not shy. She had just played a show the night before. Yeah. Uh, so she was not shy in front of that crowd. She's fr- shy a little bit in interviews and certainly in front of uh, just a group of 500 fans like she was last night. But but I got to say, I thought she killed it. Like, I thought she did a great job and she, she was did. very expressive and you know, and, and addressed a lot of her, you know, she made jokes about her, you know, coming to us, everyone coming to see a movie about her being sad. (laughs) So, um, no, she was, she was terrific. And the film is very intimate and very honest. It's, uh, directed by a guy named Danny Cohen, who's a collaborator of hers. He directs a lot of her music videos. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a terrific little film that kind of covers the three years in her life leading, right up to the pandemic it also covered in that period she turned 30 um and she made some i wish i guess she's always sort of experimenting a bit album to album but yeah yeah uh, there was a definite shift in in the kind of record she made in that period so um and, yeah, but it's and also, it was her first yeah. first time she ever did really a, a, a first big solo tour solo After, tour and, yeah you know, like going out on her own which was a big deal for her and she was um, dreading and then she loved it and yeah. <laughs> sort of changed her, changed her life in a lot of ways. But it's also like a funny movie. Like she's 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 got a sense of humor about the things in her life that aren't exactly, I'm sure, the way she would like them to be. But, you know, then she wouldn't be the same person if she was, yeah. you know, happy I, all the time. So I'm, I'm, I would be interested to see how people who uh, are not fan. I happen to be a really big fan of her. So, I mean, I love the movie. I thought it was great. But a lot mm-hmm. of people who might not be big fans of her, this is a very unusual documentary in that it's not your standard music doc, you know? Yeah. Um, it's told unedited from her point of view. She's spoken to a dictaphone, uh, like a mm-hmm. like an audio diary, basically. Uncut, you know, uh, you know it was not edited. It, it, it was whatever came out of her mouth in her head came out on that tape. And they use that yeah. to narrate this film, which covers a, a certain time period, but jumps all over the place, not just in terms of years, but in terms of places. I mean, you're one second, you're in Tokyo and the next second you're in Dallas mm-hmm. and it's all over the place. And it's not like your typical, here's a movie about this tour. Here's the movie about this artist's uh, new album. It's not that at all. Um, yeah. It kind of has the feel of what it's based on, which is you sort of the ramblings of this incredibly talented uh, artist, and that's how the movie feels. It's very sort of ramshackle, but beautiful uh, in, in, in any case. I mean, I, th- I thought it was great. I thought it was great. I mean, she should be clear. She didn't know these audio diaries were going to become the narration for this documentary. Right. So they're, they're, they are unpolished, and that's kind of the beautiful thing about them. They're, oh, yeah. They're not... They're not crafted. They're not yep. written. She's just talking off the top of her head, and you can tell, and it's great. It's it, so. The other thing about it is that, you know, like you would think, oh, my God, we're going to, like, it's just her talking and then, like, a, a really close friend of hers, you know, capturing all this on 16-millimeter mm-hmm. film, by the way, as you mentioned yeah. last night. The film was shot in 16, which is really makes it a, a, gives it another unique element, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to the look and the feel of the movie. But you think, oh, wow, this is really going to be incredibly revealing. We're going to learn so much about her. We don't. That's another thing that's brilliant about the movie is that she still remains a mystery. You know what yeah. I mean? Like when, when, when it's all over, uh, you still have to decipher her lyrics and her behavior in the movie. Does not, it doesn't, it's not like because it's her speaking honestly and uncut that we're going to learn all these secrets about Courtney Barnett because mm-hmm. we don't. And, that, and yeah. she's still 
an enigma and a beautiful, fascinating, talented one at that. And, yeah. and I think the movie represents her personality and her art beautifully. Um, mm-hmm. And it's reflective of that. And you did a great job uh, last night, dude, with the Q&A. Because, Thanks. again, you know, she's, she, you know, if you know her at all, she's, she's not a fan of interviews. Uh, never has yeah. been. She feels uncomfortable. I mean, you know, when she's in her element, when she's on stage jamming and she's doing a show, she kicks ass and she's great. But, like, the whole, like, publicizing stuff and doing interviews and sharing her thoughts and feelings and secrets with it, she's not good at that. And she doesn't have to be. And during the Q&A, you, you really navigated that beautifully, except when you opened it up to the, Q, to the audience. And the first, the first idiot gets up and immediately, um, you know, like, outs her. Well, I mean, it's not like she's been in the closet, but like, no, no, says and screams, "Hey, you're gay! Uh, you're gay!" And uh, this is how does this affect your life? And how does this? Affect? And she doesn't want to talk about that. And you had explicitly, explicitly said not five minutes earlier about how it's intrusive and invasive and uncomfortable for people to to ask really personal questions. And the first yeah. goddamn question. <laughs> From the audience is that, and I was like, "Son of a bitch," you know. But you did a great, and she answered it beautifully. It was hilarious how she answered it. Her um, answer was for the for the ages, fantastic. for the ages, fantastic. <laughs> and and it, but again, you know, this is it. You know, Steve, you and I have been doing this a long time. Uh, you know, uh, hosting <sighs> things, moderating Q and As, and it's always a goddamn crapshoot when you open it up to the audience. Always. You know what I mean? Like, it's, okay, here we go. Q&A, go ahead. And you'll get some good ones. You'll get some people who who are also just want to hear themselves talk and will talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and never get to a question. And and then you will get the complete fucking knuckleheads. And you got that one. You got that one right out of the gate last night, man. The first question. And, um, but it was great how she answered it. You guys did it really well. And again, she's not an easy person to do a Q and a in front of, in front of 500 people, dude. And you did a really great job. So, yeah. I mean, she, look, she, she signed on to do it and she's yeah, been no, doing no, it. Yeah. And yeah. she's been doing it in certain cities, you know, so she, she knows the drill and yeah. I tried not to ask personal questions, even about things that are brought up in the movie, like her right. mental health. And, yeah. but even still we, you know, you can't, but I will say this. I'm really glad that that happened because everyone's going to remember that. Like, oh, this, yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, yeah, and yeah. including in her. And she, well, I mean, she thought it was clearly she thought it was hilarious. Oh, but... she did. She did. And, and I don't want to make it sound like it, I'm going to make it. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, my God, she's been victimized. She and like no, you no, said, no. she knew she knew what she was signing up for. Yeah. And it's she's she clearly there were times when she, her body language indicated that she was very uncomfortable. And yet yeah. she was never less than charming and sweet yeah. and intelligent. And and but she knew she as someone who doesn't like to play the game, she knows how to play it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she does. Yeah. And it was and on top of that, so a great job on the Q&A and the movie yeah. rules. And it, it's playing starting today, Friday mm-hmm. um, at Music Box. It's called Anonymous Club, a really unique and original and really great documentary about the amazing Courtney Barnett. And it's playing. You guys are probably going to just play it for a week off and on. Uh, at least a week, but yeah, and it's just a couple shows a day uh, on the weekends. But yeah, it, it's it's uh, and I uh, uh, I don't know if it'll go beyond a week, but I mean, if people come, we'll keep it. Uh, yeah. That's that's what we do. We got more cell playing for two months now, so yeah, yeah. Well, that's why exactly, but people are still coming to that. Uh, yeah, but yeah. yeah, so that's that's at the that's at the Music Box Theater. Check out MusicBoxTheater.com. It's called Anonymous Club, um, a terrific music doc, really unique, original, terrific music doc. 
All right. Well, let's get to some of the other stuff. Well, you guys can handle orphan first kill. For some reason, <laughs> the link that I had didn't work, and it's not going to be available on Paramount uh, Plus until late tonight. So, uh, and I have Paramount Plus, so I'm going to watch it late tonight. But uh, Orphan First Kill is the sequel, like we were. De- oh no, I'm sorry, prequel. There prequel. you go. It's the prequel to the surprisingly awesome. I love Orphan. <laughs> uh, surprisingly awesome film from 2010. 2009, 2009. Yeah. Nine, yeah. Uh, um, with uh, Peter Sarsgaard, Vera Farmiga, and um, what, what's the actress's name who plays the kid? Isabel Furman. Isabel, yeah. And she rules. And anyway, in the in the original <laughs> film, uh, they ad- this they, they they have a stillborn baby, the couple, and then they adopt a nine year old kid, uh, and then they dis- and some weird shit happens. Some very very <laughs> weird stuff happens, and then there's a giant twist at the end of the movie where you realize that. This is not a nine-year-old kid, but like a 25-year-old woman with a, uh, a condition that makes her look uh, like a young girl. And so this whole time with all this incredibly inappropriate stuff that happens throughout the movie, <laughs> suddenly you're like, oh, she's 25, so I guess all the shit that happened earlier in the movie is okay. <laughs> um, and that twist was, I, I, I got to tell you, were you guys, uh, let's start with you, Eric, were you as, I mean, because I was blindsided by that twist when oh, I saw this, Orphan. It, it's- it's insane. Yeah, no, I mean, like, there's no way you would predict that twist. That yeah. the 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 you know because we're so conditioned to the creepy child movie. We've and seen at that so time, at, and years. at that time, Eric, at that time, 2009, we were uh, you know like neck deep in scary wet young girl movies. Yeah, you know what I mean? Too. Like every one of them, every yeah. one of every movie that came out, if it was a you know if it was a remake of a Japanese horror film yeah. or an original movie, all it was scary little kids, particularly mm-hmm. little girls, and that was the yeah. big thing at that time yeah absolutely and so so like we're just conditioned that we just think that this is just another creepy child and then it turns out i think she's actually by the time that movie technically comes out she's actually like a 35 year old dwarf right is that what Um, it was yeah yeah okay because i think she's 30 i think they identify as 33 in the prequel (laughs) okay so yeah yeah right i'm right on that Uh, now steve what was your reaction to the to the original orphan what was your reaction to that twist i i was so stunned by it i thought i heard it wrong like i thought i i I thought they said i'm like wait that can't be right right because isabel Furman at the time was only like 13 so she was a kid yeah she was yeah yeah. she was a kid so she was playing an adult now we have her she's actually 25 right now and she's playing a girl who looks 10 Who's actually like in her early thirties, right? So I'm, I right. can't do the math. And it, and it also it also helped <laughs> that you know, like it also helped for me at least uh, because I thought the film was really well made. I thought Orphan was really well made, and I was I was a sucker for it. Besides the besides the twist and the cast, I mean, you got Sarsgaard. I'm in. I mean, yeah, that go, yeah. you know, I'm in. And he's fucking great in it. And they well, and he and Vera Farmiga have to do the kinkiest shit in that movie. And I <laughs> and I just uh, remember being vaguely uncomfortable for ninety minutes. And, and Sar- <laughs> Sarsgaard also has that great crying scene on the couch he with does, her, yeah. when he just yeah. breaks down and just loses it's, it, and it's just it's yeah. so hilarious. Well, okay, well here's the deal. Uh, I guiltily love the. I guiltily love Orphan. Yeah. I love it, and so now we got a prequel. Uh, unfortunately, the guy who directed it is also responsible for the boy movies with the doll. More than that, and yeah, and a lot, a lot of shit. He's direct. This guy's directed a lot of shit. He's never directed anything good. Nope. He's the guy responsible for it. It's a prequel. And it features the same actress, and it also features one of my favorite actresses who, uh, I was talking with Steve about this last night, who I love and just wish at some point would come back to the, to the glory days of the early 2000s when Julia Stiles was the shit. Uh, mm. And I love Julia Stiles, and I root for her all the time, and she's in it. 
It's a prequel. <laughs> it's available on Paramount Plus, and it is going to be in theaters as well this weekend. Steve, tell us, uh, or I'm sorry, Eric, tell us about yeah. uh, Orphan First Kill. Well, as we've, we've established here, uh, this is a prequel, and the movie takes place uh, two years before the events of the first Orphan movie. Uh, so we meet Lena, that's uh, her actual name, uh, is Bill Furman's character, uh, who is actually in a, a mental institution. And she is basically deemed the, like, the most dangerous patient in the, uh, in the, in the whole institution, uh, something that uh, a, vis a visiting psychiatrist actually finds out uh, quite handily in the opening scenes when she plots her escape. Uh, and then basically I, she, she, she escapes the mental institution. And for, while I was watching it, I just figured she just get, walked right into the, to the set of Tatan. Uh, because what she does <laughs> is she, she doesn't screw a car. But she uh, looks up uh, missing or children on the internet and finds someone who is looks exactly as close as she possibly could age-wise to her and passes her off, turns herself into the cops, and passes herself off as this missing child to the, the parents of uh, Julia Stiles and Ross of Sutherland, who also have a, a teenage son, uh, she passes herself off as their missing child, and she is welcomed back into their arms. She's apparently, the story is that she's been kidnapped and was whisked off to Russia. Uh, and uh, and then is there to make a life with this new family. Now, you think that this would be a good, you know, just a good way to, you know, to live out the rest of your days. But Lena's a psychopath, so she causes havoc, and she's there to steal stuff and... Uh, there's some weird things going on with the family, and she, apparently she just she's just really horny, because she just <laughs> constantly wants to bang the mate the, the 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 patriarchs of all of these families. That's the the, the sort of the the the, the, the uh, thing that goes through both of these movies. Yeah. I don't know well, what I mean, she's who yeah. could who could who could blame her in the first movie? It's Peter Sarsgaard. Come on. Well, it, it makes a lot more sense in <laughs> right. the first movie than right, it right, does right. in this movie because. Right. The Ross of Sutherland father character in this movie is so bland and boring, and like the the the, the storyline is that you know because the the child was lost all those years ago that he hasn't basically lived up to his uh, you know uh, husbandry duties basically with Julia Stiles, and she misses that. So having the child back uh, in in their lives hopefully will bring back his libido, which is kind of weird. Uh, to begin with, um, and again, you know, we've already told everyone what the big twist is from the or the first movie. It's 13 years, so I mean, whatever. Um, and so, can this movie pull off a similar type twist? Um, I, I don't know if they, I would say it pulls it off, but it it, it occurs half about halfway through the movie. Uh, I'm not going to reveal exactly what it is, but I'll say for about 15 minutes afterwards. Uh, this movie takes on a bit of a life that it really didn't doesn't have for the first 45 minutes. It's pretty much a standard uh, psychopath killing people and molding into this family thriller. It's not. It's you know William Brent Bell. We've already established is not a great horror director. I'd say with the exception of maybe Rob Zombie, maybe the worst yeah. horror director working today. Yeah. Um, its films are just not as ugly as zombies films are, but but this one is just it's just flat and kind of boring. Then for about 15 minutes, uh, there's sort of a you know a back and forth going on between Isabel Furman and the Julia Stiles character, who's a kind of 
caught on to maybe what might be going on here a bit. And for about 15 minutes, right in the middle of the movie, it's kind of fun. It reminded me a bit of actually another, uh, actually a very underrated, under seen, under it just seems to be gone. Uh, child, creepy child movie called Joshua with Sam Rockwell, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. where Rockwell's character sort of figured out that this kid is not quite right and basically was trying to one-up him in his own game. Orphan First Kill has that for about 15 minutes. And then it just becomes a, a routine. Everyone's going to be at each other's throat. Everyone's going to be trying to kill uh, Esther. That's her name and that she takes on. Uh, and I'm how sorry. This I'm movie... sorry. I'm sorry. Steve, is was that the Jagoff uh, uh, Blue Blue Angels? <laughs> I don't see them, but I hear them. Yeah, they're Jag. They're Jagoffs. I hate. The, I hate the Aaron Water Show. I hate the Aaron Water Show with ever fiber of my being. Sorry, but yeah, I knew, and I yeah. knew that this was going to happen. I knew that the Jagoff. Blue Angels were going to interrupt uh, us as we were. But, okay. I didn't know I'm, they came out on Thursdays. But no, okay. they, well, anyway. they just, yeah, they do. They, they test. They like to buzz everybody. They do it on Thursday. They do it on Friday. And uh, it's, it, it, Friday. Is, it is the dumbest shit in the, in the world uh, every year. The only good thing about COVID was when they canceled that goddamn thing. That was the only good thing about COVID. Okay. I'm wow. sorry. Go ahead, Eric. So, no, that's, 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 there's not much more to say about this. Like you said, it, it basically just kind of, you know, kind of, I don't want to say it limps to its conclusion because there's a lot of carnage in the, in the last 20 minutes of this movie, but uh-huh. uh, it's basically just, you know, how is it going to fan fiction its way to the beginning of the first Orphan movie? I'm, I'm right. sorry to say that Vera Farmiga and Peter Sarsgaard do not show up as cameos in Damn this it. at all. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, I mean, as William Brent Bell movies go, it might be his best movie. <laughs> but, God. you know, that's, okay. that's not saying a whole lot. Um, yeah. It's definitely not as good as the first movie, which is a movie that I think I like recommending more than I actually fully like. Yeah. Uh, but that, but that's okay. Uh, Orphan, good. Orphan, first kill, not, no good. All right. All right, uh, Steve, <laughs> if, you can, if you can actually talk over the, uh, you oh, know, yeah, no. the, the stupid <laughs> shit that's happening in the sky. I will say that yeah, the the, the Julius Styles fan in you is going to be very happy with the last oh, yeah. like fifteen twenty minutes of this All movie. Right. Cool, because uh, I love her. I, I love yeah, yeah. her. I, I love her. I mean, this movie has about the sophistication and and subtle charm of a lifetime movie that in which yeah. like the title is also the plot summary. So, um, you <laughs> know, like you know, stalked by my doctor or whatever. Right. Um, so yeah. So, but it, it doesn't mean it isn't wildly amusing and and occasionally entertaining yeah um and, and I, I actually kind of like the the first sequence it's set actually in estonia we actually find out she's from estonia so that's why she has an accent right um but there's there's absolutely nothing scary about this movie and the tension levels here are pretty mild but like isabel Furman has this like dead-eyed portrayal that she still has like all these years later, I mean, she's been playing this role technically for half her life. So, um, <laughs> and she still got it. She still gave me the chills a little bit. And, and like I said, I got to give points, uh, to Julia Stiles for sort of selling this role of this mother who's going to do anything to keep her family together. Uh, even if it's almost as psychotic as Esther is. So, um, it's not one of the better horror movies of this year, but as a prequel about a 30 year old, something year old, pretending to be a kid in order to murder people, it's probably the best one of those you'll see this year. Okay. (laughs) All right, you son of a bitch. I got you. Okay. All right, cool. All right, well, I mean, is it... Okay, here's the deal, because it is playing in theaters. This is just one of those deals where, like, you know, if you want to watch it on Paramount+, Plus, that's the way to go, yes? 
Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. do not okay. go see this in theaters. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it later on on Paramount Plus. Uh, yeah. So so there you go. Okay, Orphan First Kill. All right. Um, all right, uh, Steve. Why don't you tell us? We're moving from one horror movie to the next, and another streamer. Although Orphan First Kill is playing in theaters, but it's yeah. also streaming on on, on uh, Paramount Plus. But this next one that we're going to review is streaming exclusively on Shutter, and they seem to be Shutter is improved. Shutter seems to be one of the most improved streaming services ever because they yeah. keep getting great stuff. Not only do they get great stuff, but now they're producing original stuff. Um, that is also really good. I mean, last time we spoke, because we were off for a little bit because of uh, we were off for that week, a few weeks mm-hmm. ago be- because of flashback. But the last time we actually spoke, we talked about this is Guar, which mm-hmm, was right. streaming on Shutter, and for my money, one of the best movies of the year. Uh, it, it, and and I loved it, and I've really been enjoying a lot of the stuff, like the. Sh- you know, The Sadness is a tremendous movie, and that's on Shudder. No. So Shudder's been doing There's the goddamn Blue Angels again. Get your heads down. Get your heads oh down. Oh, my God. Duck. That is loud. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's yeah. Yeah, that's I'm the fit. I'm by the lake. I'm by the lake. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 I'm, about, I'm, I'm about two and a half miles away from the lake, and I can still, they still and tomorrow, buzz. tomorrow, when still... they buzz Wrigley Field, it's going to be even better. It's, so. Oh, it's always so much fun. <laughs> it's always so much fun. It's the stupidest goddamn weekend of the year. Uh, okay. so, so anyway... The newest one is one that all three of us have seen. This is on Shudder, and it's a film. It's a very unusual movie. Um, <laughs> Steve, tell us about uh, Glorious. You know, you know, some days a horror concept just sells itself on paper, and I, <laughs> I think this might be one of those. This is the new offering from Rebecca McKendry. Uh, it's a film called Glorious, starring Ryan Quantin, who plays a clearly disturbed young man named Wes who's in distress as he sort of drives a lonely highway uh, with just sort of a box of photos and his face is covered in either tears or sweat or both. And he, he, he starts to fall asleep at the wheel. So rather than crash, he pulls over to this almost virtually empty rest stop. And, and we kind of get a sense that he's pining for a woman he's just lost, although the details kind of remain fuzzy for most of the film. And seemingly they're unimportant, of course, until they are. Um, and he run, he goes into the men's room and he finds himself locked inside with a mysterious figure that we never really see fully, but it's voiced by none other than J.K. Simmons <laughs> speaking to him from an adjacent stall that just happens to share a glory hole with his. So um, and, and with this auspicious beginning, the fate of the world hangs in the balance. Um, I, I don't want to give away too many of the details, but the stakes of Glorious couldn't be any higher. And the, the thing on the other side of this hole, which we West starts to call Gat, which is like a shortened version of its real name. Um, he never really sees, like I said, other than in glimpses of unrecognizable parts. Um, he makes it clear that unless shares a certain part of his essence, um, the world as we know it will end at the hands of of this monster. I mean, uh, and while Wes attempts to escape and he even almost gets out at one point when a, the local maintenance guy comes in, it becomes clear that he's been chosen because of his kind of misery is very specific and the pain he is currently enduring is something that this gat can kind of latch onto. So there's very clear and very icky Lovecraftian flavors to this movie. The movie alternates between sort of epic and gruesome and funny and even heartfelt as we start to get a sense of where Wes's pain comes from. Um, The director succeeds in showing us that less 
like showing us less and letting our imagine our imaginations run wild. It probably works for the best with this movie. Um, this is kind of the perfect pandemic movie because it's just one guy in a room uh, for for most of the in like one room. Um, and I and I like that 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 the little flashes we get of this creature are kind of the perfect topping off for our nightmare fueling. So, um, and and I got to say, like I love the way Simmons uses his voice in a mostly calm and soothing and empathetic tone until like Wes disobeys him and then he launches into this sort of soul shaking demonic resonance. Um, the the thing sounds more outrageous and I think it plays out. But that doesn't mean it doesn't deliver. I think it's, like I said, it's a perfect pandemic movie. Uh, the glimpses we get of the former girlfriend uh, in flashbacks are are interesting and I think reveal a little bit more each time we see her. Um, and as certain aspects of Wes's story are revealed, I kind of, I mean, again, there's sort of a twist here that uh, that I wasn't expecting. And I think that sort of adds something to the whole affair. Um because we do spend a lot of the movie wondering why Wes was picked for this endeavor. Um, and I thought, I thought it delivered what's a fairly satisfying answer to that question. Although maybe, maybe it won't be the one you want it to be. Um, it's not a great horror movie, but it's, it's like enjoyable and satisfying way to kill about 75 minutes of your life. Um, and as you sort of watch the fate of all life hang in the balance. So that's uh, I know, yeah, it's on shutter. Okay, that's uh, glorious. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Eric, uh, where do you stand on this? Uh, pretty much in the same way. I mean, the I mean the the real appeal of this film is just listening to J.K. Simmons manipulate Ryan Quantin right. and, and what uh, you know he's ultimately going to be set up to do. And and when it, when you get to the finale of this movie, uh, I, I don't I don't know if the, the 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 end of it completely satisfied me, but the the that sort of that build up towards it. Uh, really, you know, kind of hit my my sweet spot in in, in wa- watching a horror movie like this. And yeah, I mean, like like Steve said, as a two hander, uh, you know, Quantin, who I, I think did some underrated work on True Blood for many years. That's where many people know him, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that he's good here, having basically and more or less kind of be a one man show. I mean, he doesn't have anyone other than this voice. Uh, to work off of, and he, he makes for uh, a, a pretty engaging uh, you know, foil, basically. And uh, and again, Simmons' work, Blue Angels, uh, coming up. Oh, Jesus out. Christ. Uh, there they wow. Are. Oh, wow. That was just Do they need to pass? I mean, we've seen no, it's, them. It's What's completely... funny is they're really, I can barely see them, and they're that loud. No, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's totally ridiculous. It's, Jeez, Eric, sorry. I lived in, I lived yeah. in, um, I live, you don't, you know, uh, Steve, you live in, um, sort of the uptown area. Uh, yeah, but closer to Wrigley, really. I'm just closer a couple of blocks from Wrigley. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Because I lived in Andersonville for about 13 years, mm-hmm, and with the clo- yeah. the closer you are to the lake, the worse it is. And it's just it's completely, <laughs> completely absurd. The whole event is ridiculous, and all of this shit is just ridiculous. I mean, so. I, I, seriously, I lived in a I, for forty years. I lived in a flight path of O'Hare, and yeah. it was never this bad. No, well, never. that's because O'Hare doesn't have giant blue angel jets flying I over suppose. there. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, all right. But anyway, uh, continue. All right, all right <laughs> yeah, continue. No, yeah. So so I I mostly enjoyed it. I, like you said, the, the length certainly goes a long way. I think if you, you add another 15, 20 minutes to this, it might have worn out its welcome a little bit. It, it does take a little while to to get going, but once you develop that rapport between Quentin and Simmons, uh, it ultimately does just kind of work. 
for me. So yeah, I'm recommending Glorious as well. Yeah, uh, I'm recommending it too. Uh, and I would, I and I wish that the, these idiots flying the jets would go home and watch it right now. Um, but anyway, it's a very, it, and I I liked it too. I thought it was kind of a unique uh, a unique setup, um, and uh, I thought it was like really beautifully shot and well done. And it it got me really from the beginning. I didn't know what was going on at first. Like the first opening scenes are sort of like weird like nightmare images that he's having while he's driving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then he pull. And we've all been in creepy rest stops. Everybody has like pulled over and gone into a bathroom where you're like, oh, shit, this is not good. And uh, this is kind of like, you know, the epitome of a <laughs> of a really creepy bad rest stop bathroom. And, of course, a glory hole doesn't help at all. Nope. Um, <laughs> and all of the stuff that goes in there, and you, yeah, everything is slowly revealed. What's going on? What, you know, like at the beginning, they set up this whole mystery, like, who is this? What's going on with this? What's going on with that? And all of it is slowly answered um, in, in, I think, a very, you know, interesting way. Uh, and again, you guys mentioned it. For me, you know, the key to the success of this movie is J.K. Simmons. And uh, it's proof that this guy doesn't even have to physically be in a movie to rule. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't, even have, he doesn't even have to be in the goddamn thing. And he can uh. just talk, and it's enough. Um, and, as a, you know, as far as one-man shows go, I mean, there have been a few of these kind of movies made before. And a lot of them, you know, like, like really work. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I, you know, I... I, I actually was I was on board with it and and you know as you said you know running a running time of seventy six minutes is perfect for this it doesn't wear out its welcome it's the precise you know the the precise uh, length that it should be and when it's all said and done uh, you've got a pretty solid uh, you know horror movie there's some creepy stuff in it some surprises in it um, and overall um, I really enjoyed it I had a I had a, I had a good time watching it. I think it's a, it's a well made little film with a nice central performance and a great vocal performance from J K Simmons. Um, it's and it's weird and fun, so I liked it. I'm I'm a fan of it as well. Look at that, three positive reviews for Glory <laughs> for a movie about a glory hole. A movie about a glory it. hole. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, the uh, the big one that is released this weekend in uh, theaters, and a film that uh, should is not available on streaming, uh, uh, is is this is a film called. Uh, Beast, and now Eric, you've not seen it yet. I've not had a chance to see this yet. No, you're you're probably watching it right now. I am seeing it right now. So <laughs> I would imagine for a at this moment you are watching it right now. Yep. Um, well, I'll uh, tell you what it's about, and then Steve and I have seen it. We, in <laughs> fact, in fact, we sat next to each other at the at the screening uh, the other night. And it is. Let me just preface this by saying that even if this movie uh, wasn't good, it would be better than what I sat through before. Immediately. Oh, I heard about this. Uh, because I saw what the f- Mac and Mac and Rita. Rita. Mac and Rita. I had a couple hours downtown and I had a couple hours to kill before Beast. And I was like, oh, well, look what's playing here. It works out perfectly. It's Diane Keaton. It's a, oh, it's a body switch movie. It's Diane Keaton in a body switch movie. I can't be that bad. I love Diane Keaton. Uh, and Jesus Christ. I mean, my <laughs> God. Uh, it, it, Eric, have you seen it? No, I, oh, I oh. and I'm still getting shit from Steve about it because I <laughs> was going to review it on our show last week, and uh, my link expired uh, when I yeah. went to go watch it. So well, you should I, be gr- you should be grateful that that link expired. That's, what that's I all hear. I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, I, I'm not going to get into a full review of that because it's. I mean, but let me just say that it p- might be the worst film I've seen all year. Um, and it barely qualifies as a movie, and it's certainly the most embarrassing performance that Diane Keaton has ever given, and she's given some embarrassing performance in the, in performances in the last like fifteen twenty years. 
uh, you know, uh, you know, a woman who has given such incredible performances in the past, you know, like, you know, looking for Mr. Goodbar and shoot the moon and reds and stuff like that. And this is just so anyway, anything would have been better than what I had just sat through. And I did not have I had I was looking forward to it because it's Stringer Bell and the trailers in the trailers, Stringer Bell punches a lion in the mouth a couple of times. And I'm like, well, I'm up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Stringer Bell, you know, obviously I always refer to anybody who was on the, on the wire by their character's name, but uh, obviously the actor is Idris Elba, who everybody loves and he rules and he's in a George Miller movie, which is coming out next week, uh, that we'll be reviewing at some point. But anyway, um, so here's the plot of it. It's a very simple plot, very quick plot. Uh, he plays a doctor and he and his two teenage, uh, daughters go on a trip to South Africa. This is after, uh, the, he's become a widow, uh, and, you know, the mother has died and they go off to uh, to to the homeland to where the mother is from. And they're going to, you know, visit, go on a, t- on a on a little safari and visit a game reserve uh, in South Africa and uh, and get over this trauma about the death of the mother slash wife. And it's about the relationship between this doctor and his two teenage daughters and the tension between the two of them because the mother and he and the, and the wife were separated. And so there's all this stuff that they have to, that they have to deal with, this, this stuff from the past. And uh, so they go uh, off to South Africa where they're met by uh, this uh, old family friend uh, played by uh, uh, Copley. Charlton. Uh, Charlton. Uh, Charlton Copley. And, uh, and they meet up. And uh, so one night they're going to go out. And uh, they go to this, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> uh, so they go to this um, game reserve, and they visit this game reserve before they go out, you know, and, and, and visit all these other places. They go to this game reserve for which Copley is, uh, like, uh, 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 he manages this, uh, this game reserve uh, with some other people, where they have some lions, they have, you know, a, a family of lions. And uh, and and what you're the told you're told you're told that there are also a bunch of poachers out there that are killing lions. And in fact, the first scene in the movie is a bunch of uh, poachers in the middle of the night setting traps and killing a bunch of lions for their for their fur and for their bones and for their for 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 their teeth and all that stuff. Uh, and it's these asshole poachers in the middle of Africa that are doing this, and they kill an entire pride except for one lion. So this lion is the, the only, you can't catch him. The lion ends up killing a bunch of the poachers. That's how the movie opens. So this lion is out there. Uh, and so after they visit, the family visits this reserve. They go out in the middle and they, in a jeep and they go out in the middle. And then basically they are tracked and hunted by this lion who is seeking revenge for the death of his, his family. Uh, and then it's about them surviving. And so it becomes another survival movie. Um, and that's where that's where it comes from. The, the director of this movie directed Contraband and Two Guns, which are a couple of Mark Wahlberg movies. Uh, he also directed another uh, a survival movie. He directed a couple of those. He did Everest with Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, no, not Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, was it Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah, yeah Jake he's Gyllenhaal. in it. He's in it. Yeah. Um, and Adrift with Shailene Woodley, uh, and those are both like um, you know survival movies. And you know none of them are very good. Uh, in fact, none of them are very good. And so when I went in to see Beast, which, you know, for me, it was enough that, you know, um, uh, Stringer Bell was going to punch a lion in the mouth. That was enough for me to be happy. And I didn't really expect much. And then I saw, uh, as the movie opened, uh, you know, I was like, you know, I hope this is good. And, and, I, and I was, you know, and I thought it was going to be entertaining. And I was kind of looking forward to it on that regard, especially after sitting through the piece of crap that I had just sat through. 
and you know, I was like, okay, well, this is going to be this is going to be good. And then I see the opening credits, and I see that Felipe uh, Rosola uh, is the director of photography on this movie, and this is one of the greatest cinematographers that's ever lived, who I didn't even know. You know, I didn't even I I couldn't remember the last movie that he directed. I get or he did cinematography for. But, I mean, I guess he did the Fantastic Beast. He's done the Fantastic Beast movies. And most recently did stuff like The Nice Guys. Um, he did, uh, uh, he's done, like, I mean, he's done a ton of amazing stuff. He's worked with uh, directors like uh, Milos Forman. He's worked with uh, Tim Burton. Uh, he directed Interview with the Vampire. He's, he's, he did Summersby. This is like a major cinematographer. When I saw him, his name on the credits, I went, oh, okay. And then the movie kicks in. And let me just say this. I think that Beast um, is one of the most uh, stu- like incredibly surprising films of the year that I didn't expect it to be as good as it is, and it's really good. It is incredibly suspenseful. The setup is simple. They set the thing up. Uh, and, of course, you know, like you always have, you know, whatever the psychology is that you have to deal with, they set up the fact that there is this, uh, this wedge between the teenage daughters and the father, the death of the mother slash wife is affecting them, and they have to come to terms with this in the homeland where the mother was from. Um, and they also have to deal with this lion who's stalking them and these asshole poachers who are out there. So it's a simple setup. Uh, man must, uh, you know, you know, must protect his family, um, and lion is coming to get them. Um, it is extraordinarily well directed. It's unbelievably suspenseful. It is a real nail-biter. It is a huge crowd-pleaser. There are long takes, like long, incredibly complicated uh, single takes uh, that establish the, the, the place better than most horror or suspense movies I've seen in a long time. Uh, they set it up so that anything can happen in any place. Like, you know your surroundings so well. It's all these really long single tracking shot takes that are incredibly complicated where from the top, the bottom, the back, the front, anything can happen. So you're on the edge of your seat the entire time. Um, and the attack sequences are amazing. Uh, the, the acting is tremendous. The, the teenage girls are great. Idris Elba is terrific. Uh, Copley is fantastic in it as well. Uh, the effects are fun. I mean, obviously, you know, most of the line effects are CG. Um, and also for people who might be wondering, oh, well, you know what, here's a movie where we, you know, we're in this lion's territory. Why should we root on a bunch of humans, uh, uh, you know, a lion just protecting his territory? Well, they cover that completely. They kind of have their cake and eat it, too. And I don't want to give anything away, but at the end of the movie, uh, it's not as simple as what you think it is. Um, I think on every level, this to me, though, what this movie is, this is a popcorn movie. This is a popcorn thriller. This is an exciting movie. It is suspenseful. It's edge of your seat. Um, I think it's actually one of the better movies I've seen all year. I didn't expect it to be this good. This is a crackerjack movie that will have you jumping. You know, there are great jumps in it. There's a ton of suspense. It's nail-biting. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. You care about the people. You care about what happens, and it's scary. It's suspenseful. It is a crackerjack, just a dynamite, unbelievably entertaining, tremendous movie. That surprised the shit out of me, and I loved it. So, uh, Eric, I can't wait to hear what you think of it. Steve, you were sitting next to me, wow. 
And you and I were both yeah. whooping. You and I were both. There were times when you and I were both yeah, going, yeah. "Oh my God!" You know, was that kind of reaction? <laughs> I think so. at one point it is what I think at one point it is went nice. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. And what, I, were, what I remember, what I remember is you leaning forward in your seat almost the whole movie. No, too, no shit, so. no shit, man. I literally because like when it first started, I'm like, okay, this will be fun. And then after the first beautiful long tracking shot, I was like, wait a minute, what? You know, first of all, when I saw who the DP was, I was like, oh, that's cool. And mm-hmm. then I saw the first really complicated tracking shot that was incredibly beautiful and kept the story moving and the characters developing. I was like, oh, this could be good. And then the whole movie is that. It's like a series of amazing suspense sequences. Yeah, I was on the edge of my seat. And I remember at one point I just went, Jesus. Like, I just said that out loud. <laughs> so, all right, but go ahead. Yeah, uh, let, let me add two things to your list of things that this movie is. It's also really bloody. Like, yeah, it is. It does yeah. not hold back on the blood, the yeah. open wounds, the yeah. I mean, and if you can handle that, I mean, you're going to love this movie. Uh, but it, it is fairly blood soaked. And also, uh, it is. And also and also it doesn't hold back on the cauterizing of wounds. There's no, like a lot of, no, no, no. Awesome. Um, yeah. And then there's also and it's also only like barely over 90 minutes. It's oh, like yeah, there right. isn't an ounce of fat on this thing. Yeah. It is just it just goes and goes and goes. I mean, there are down periods, but. Thanks to the, I mean, it is, you know, you mentioned the tracking shot. It's almost a series of tracking shots, yeah, the whole yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of wonder how many there actually are, because it feels like the whole movie is tracking shots. And um, and, it, and it just makes it feel like it never stops moving. Like it's, I mean, it's not unfolding in real time because it goes overnight. Yeah. But yeah. but it, it feels like it sometimes be, in certain sequences uh, or, but yeah. And, and, and I love that they, they make very clear, like as a, this is a morality tale like not all lions are bad because like charlto has like his friendly lion friends that you know he we meet up with near the beginning and then this this poor lion who's attacking all these people is just basically out to kill anything with, on two legs it's not like he's singling out this family he's just ready to kill any human for what it did to for what they did to his pride and you get it and um and you you know you do feel a little bad for it at a certain point because it's you know he's just gone crazy with with this kind of bloodlust for humans. Um, it's, I will say the stuff with the family, especially the older daughter got a little on my nerves because she is just so like, there just comes a certain point. You got to shut, shut that grievance against your dad down long enough to survive. And she never really does. So I was a little, that's more in the writing than her performance. But, uh, but other than that, I was I, I I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. It's a yeah. really it's a great deal of fun. If, if you like, I said if you can handle being totally terrified and all the blood. So yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's, it's yeah, awesome. and, and that's what I I love. I love mm-hmm. being totally terrified. I love a lot of blood. Yeah, and yeah. you mentioned like the whole thing feels like you know the camera is moving constantly. I mean, the tracking shots are so beautifully. Stay like zip zip in and out of the car oh. and like I don't know how they did half of them. I know so, and it's beautiful yeah. and also like I said you really are familiar with the surroundings. You know where you yeah. are and when those tracking shots begin you're like, "Well shit, anything can happen." Like I said, from any part of the frame, bottom yeah. side, down, anything. You're like, "What the fuck is going on?" And the sound, by the way, the sound is amazing too. So mm-hmm. that's why you have to see it in a the theater because like the use of sound and the ster- the way it was shot in, you know, stereo, we saw it in a big theater. Um, mm-hmm. Man, I'm seeing it again Saturday. I'm, I'm going with my folks. I told my dad, I'm like, Dad, you got to see this movie. You're going to shit your pants. And so we're going, and we're seeing it in Dolby. We're going to go to the Dolby Theater and see oh, it. Oh, nice. And, and the, you know, so the seats are going to shake, and I'm going to crap my pants, and I've already seen it. And so, um, no, this, to me, this is a crowd pleaser. This is a movie 
that um, I'm so glad it's being released in theaters. I hope it does well. I mean, I don't know, you know, because I think the trailers aren't, the trailers are not, really do not, are not indicative of how really, how really good this movie is. You know what I mean? Because it's a really great film, incredibly well made and very suspenseful. And I really don't think that, that the trailers do it justice. Um, but see it with a crowded, you know, if, if possible, if at all possible. See it with jets flying over your head, if you can do that. Um, if at all possible, see it in a crowded theater in the biggest screen possible with the best sound. And, because this is a Friday night packed house whoop it up 10 o'clock kind mm-hmm. of movie you know what i mean 10 o'clock showing friday night bunch of popcorn big crowd having fun it's scary as shit it's suspenseful it's funny i it's a this to me is a crackerjack crowd pleaser i i haven't had this much fun and much suspense at a movie probably all year like i really i just had a great time a great great time so eric i can't wait you got to text me today when you're watching it as I you're watching it. oh text i absolutely me. will yeah so you got to let me know what you think <laughs> that's coming yeah so anyway all right, well, those are the, those are the ones uh, for this week. Uh, what do we got? Barbarian is coming out, right? Uh, the next time, will that be out the next time we talk? That's the big one in theaters that week, Barbarian. Okay. No, 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 wait. That comes out on the 9th, doesn't it? September 9th? Barbar- oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that is September 9th. Yes, yeah, September. Oh, okay. There's not a lot on the 2nd. There's really not a lot on the 2nd. Well, because it's <laughs> yeah. Labor Day. Well, all right. Well, you know what? We'll probably review the George Miller movie then. We'll save that. Yeah, we can yeah. Review. yeah. We can mm-hmm. review the George Miller movie. When does uh, See How They Run open with Rockwell and Shearsay? Twenty third, I think. Here in no, I'm sorry, the sixteenth of September. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. I cannot wait. Looks fun. Oh Looks my fun. god! I just yeah. you know just to have Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan together. I just that's enough for me. I don't give a shit what the movie's about. so anyway all right well the next time we will talk about george miller's movie and anything else that's Mm -hmm. happening uh Mm -hmm. and uh and everybody go to the music box to see anonymous club and actually by the time we the next time we go it'll be uh steve it'll be the weekend of the uh the stephen king uh weekend that is true yeah that is so we'll we'll definitely weekend yeah yes so check it out there's a stephen king the losers club is uh is putting together a seven movie screening uh festival over labor day weekend um, and you can check seven out movies in the seven movies in the big theater, and then also two in the garden uh, right. that, that were recently added. So yeah, yeah. So check it out. The whole schedule for the Stephen King Festival is uh, at musicboxtheater.com, and we'll get into the details on that the next time we talk. Mm-hmm. All right, Steve, uh, Eric, always a pleasure. Uh, Steve, try not to lose your hearing with all that crap <laughs> flying around. I won't be sitting by the window for all no, day. But no, not all day. <laughs> no, it's unbelievable. All right, guys, thanks, and I'll, I'll talk to you guys next time. All right, sounds thanks. good. All right, see you later. All right, there's uh, Steve, Eric, and a cameo by uh, the asshole Blue Angels. All right. So annoying. All right, you know what's not annoying? The lovely Esmeralda Leon. And we're going to talk to her right now. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esma. I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah, Esmeralda. Esmeralda Leon. Ah, uh, yes, the incredibly memorable composition by the great Jason Skaggs, and that is always an introduction to my friend and uh, partner, Esmeralda Leon. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? 
I'm doing well. Oh, How are you? man. You know, I'm good. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm good. I do. <laughs> so uh, we are uh, Friday here and we're getting ready for the weekend. Are you... Uh, have you have you made those plans to go to the Jim Belushi Fest at the prison? Oh yeah, I am just after this. I'm gonna go wait in line uh, to get in. We have uh, tickets, you, but I don't care. No, you got to get there early. You, you know, you know, it's a it's a whenever whenever Jim Belushi shows up somewhere, it's a mob scene. As I got to right, exactly. <laughs> oh man! All right. Um, well, uh, we now so in the last uh, uh, episode. Um, we talked about crazy neighbors and I told a couple mm-hmm. of stories about real neighbors that I had that were pretty out there. They were pretty yes. ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> and you told a, a, a really ridiculous and annoying story about a woman who was very angry that she personally, she took a note that you put on the door for the entire building personally. Very personally. <laughs> I so <laughs> Which makes me think that you are leaving the door open. Exactly. But whatever. Exactly. You don't have to be Hercule to figure that out, I don't think. <laughs> um, so but then we opened up the, I opened up the voicemail lines and the email lines to you, our listeners, our subscribers, with your crazy uh, stories. And um, the, but the, the, the episode has only been out for about a day and a half at, at, at this part of the recording. So we've only got a few. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to save those for another time. Yeah, um, for sure. To, to load up on the voicemails and load up on the emails because uh, I want to do them all at once. So if, again, I will feed this to you guys again. If you have a crazy neighbor story that you want to share with us, the craziest, the craziest, goofiest, insane neighbor that you've ever had. Uh, or neighbors, we would love to hear from you. Voicemail us, 773-417-6948, anytime you have a neighbor story, or email us at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. We got a few in, and, uh, and you know, they're funny, and they're going to be cool, but I want to mm-hmm. have a lot. And considering that oh, we've yeah. had even less than 48 hours for people to have listened to, because people listen to podcasts. You know, I, sometimes I forget, Esmeralda, that it's not like live radio, and that... yes. And that, People can listen at their leisure. At their leisure, bro. Yes, uh, you remember that old <laughs> that old story at your leisure, bro. Oh, uh, so we're going to save that and continue to collect more of the voicemails and the emails of crazy neighbor stories from our podcasters. But we do have more crazy neighbor stories to talk about um, personally and uh, in, in this uh, article. By the way, did you ask Colin, uh, your boyfriend, if he ha- had any crazy neighbors? I did, and his are more that he's the bad neighbor. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Then the other way around. Uh Uh-oh. Well, she's going to be that. Well, I'll tell you. I'll give you asthma. That's right. I'll give you asthma. So, uh, okay. Well, I mean, if he doesn't want to share those stories, um, then. (laughs) Well, one of them was while he's, while we've been living here. Oh, Uh, really? Yeah, I had nothing to do with it. I wasn't even home. Yeah. <laughs> he um so around the beginning of the pandemic um he was at home because he works in the service industry. So sure. he was yeah. at home. He didn't have a job. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. And he was playing lots of video games. Right. And he plays a lot of shooter games. Right. Um where that you go online and then you play with other people online so he was doing a lot of that during the day i was gone i was i was working (laughs) (laughs) um but i wouldn't be home so he was left to his own devices and and one of those was playing online shooter games right and he gets very passionate (laughs) 
about I, said I, games. I do have to tell you, Esmeralda, before you continue, um, mm-hmm. I have been on the air with you and I've recorded with yes. you while he's in yep. the other room uh, yep. playing those games and you can hear him screaming. Uh, yep. I was. I remember one time we were, I, I think this was, you were actually on the air with me back yeah. at the car wash and it was very late. You were on the phone with me. Uh, and it was, I think it was during the pandemic, in fact, like when you, yeah. you came on. You know, yeah, and it you, was. And it was very late. It was because I was on overnights. Mm-hmm. And you and I were having a conversation. And then I heard, God, dude, you were fucking going to go. And I was like, what's the, <laughs> what the hell is going on? And then you had to tell him, you know, hey, I'm on the radio, man. I was like, hi. Remember that thing I told you? And this is like in a room with a closed door. So it's not even like. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry to interrupt, but but I have. And, but many, that of my, is and what, many of my yeah. old listeners, and I think some of the people who have listened to this podcast have heard Colin in the background <laughs> a little bit every once in a while. Okay, continue. So continue he your was, story. He was doing that full tilt. Full <laughs> tilt. Um, and in the middle of the day, uh, to the point where I guess he really yelled about one whatever had happened uh to the point that the neighbor oh, upstairs i don't see now okay now i'm gonna misremember if he banged on the door or if he could just he might have banged on the door right like to be like hey and then it, left because he didn't confront him right face to face well the but other thing it, is- it got to the point where he got out into the hallway and the people upstairs, the, the it was a couple. The guy was yelling at Colin to shut up, uh, and I think he also threatened him, <laughs> like threatened, threatened to Colin? beat him up. He threatened yeah. Colin. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, and but they didn't. Nobody was face to face. This is all just yelling from oh, yeah. one floor to the other. Right. 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 Um. So when I came home, like I was told this whole story. And then later on, I think like a day or two later, there is an envelope at our door where I guess the other the other half of the couple, she wrote a letter or she made him write a letter to apologize to Colin for threatening. I see. (laughs) With a gift card. No. Yeah, she even sent a gift card because he's like, I'm sorry, I lost my temper, blah, blah, blah. In my head, I'm like, can I give them this gift card back as a thank you for making him stop yelling at video games? (laughs) Because after that, he stopped because he's like, well, I was just threatened. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. but well, they wait a were, minute. They that, were, that, I mean, did, one, they were in the right. He shouldn't be yelling that yeah, loud. Like sure. the fact that people can hear you on this other floor. Yeah. Um, but also they were working. The woman was working. She like did therapy or something like that. So she was doing it over the. Right. No, no, <laughs> no. I understand. Zoom or whatever. So to like hear someone just yelling. <laughs> yeah. No, listen, Ezreal, you and I. You're trying to do like therapy sessions. <laughs> well, therapy is much more important than what we do. But you know right. what we're doing right now. We are both at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this is work. And I don't want one of my jag-off neighbors outside to start screaming outside my window while I'm trying exactly. to do a podcast, you know? So, yeah, right. I totally understand that. But now, let me ask you this, though. Did you get the note before Colin saw it? Because you could have intercepted it and kept it without telling him. No, I oh. saw it. And I gave it to him. I'm like, oh, oh. look. Oh, and he was I, like, he felt know. bad. Okay. He felt bad right. that, like, they're apologizing. Yeah. And giving him a gift card. And I was just okay. like, should I give it back to him? So because right. th- I want to thank them. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing is like, I mean, this 
the screaming that happens, and I can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I obviously I don't. I can't account for what Colin screams. I I don't. I've only heard it in the background a few times. I mean, sometimes it's like just swear word upon swear right. word, right? Or and, it's like it's like ch- like nineteen fifties swearing, like what? fudge. Oh, like he's trying to stop himself from. I see. No, he just that's what comes out. I don't know, like what, <laughs> what the. Well, the other thing is that there's a possibility. Now, the other thing is that it's it's disturbing enough, and it's it's also a little bit, you know, weird enough to hear somebody scream. You know, like unbelievable amounts of 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 mm-hmm. swear words okay that's mm-hmm. one he's like fuck shit piss like you hear somebody screaming that you yeah know, you're like wow but he's also playing a shooter game so he might be screaming stuff like look behind you and kill that motherfucker you know what i mean like he might be oh screaming, yeah he's like, like on your six or whatever yeah, the hell yeah exactly like murder him shoot him so if you're hearing you know <laughs> screaming <him. laughs> about murdering and shooting and fuck and oh. this and, gu- and it's a, that's a little bit upsetting it's like wait a minute what's going on is somebody being murdered downstairs is someone ordering another person to kill another person downstairs right now right so <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's funny, though. You got a gift card to what? What was it a gift card for? Do you remember? Target gift card. Damn, that's great. That's great. He should start screaming again so they yell at him and get another gift (laughs) card. They left. Oh, they left. They moved. moved. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great story. They moved in. um, And actually, the the woman upstairs, it's a woman and she has a dog. She bought Uh a, she got a dog. And he's this puppy, puppy husky who, um... In the beginning, she doesn't. I don't think she crates the dog anymore. But when she was, um, mm, the yeah. dog would scratch at the the crate, mm-hmm. and the most unbelievable. It just sounded like insane because yeah. the whole thing was like shaking, and you could yeah. hear it from down here. And I'm like, "What the hell is that?" Uh. Like this was before I knew it was a dog. <laughs> I just thought I don't know what was happening. I'm just so you're like, hearing weird. What you're you're hearing, doing up there? You, you don't know she's got a dog, but you're hearing weird, frantic scratching. And yeah, stuff. and just shaking. Oh man! Like metal, metal on the ground shaking. Like oh. I'm just oh, like, no. what in the hell? Yeah, it and then was. You found out it, it was a dog, though. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, it's a damn dog. <laughs> oh, speaking of neighbors. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Hi, Nick's show. Hi. Hi, I'm Carrie Hi, Russell, Carrie. and right. I love Nick's show. All right. What What I yeah. would do when I knew, because I knew she she just had the dog in the crate and she wasn't there, yeah. I would get a broom and knock at the ceiling. Like where the crate was, like underneath the crate? Yeah, wherever. Well, I mean, just like where I am. Yeah. Because I'm assuming it's like right under me. Sure. But, um, <laughs> so I would just knock the, I would knock the the ceiling with the the thing, and that that would stop it, kind of. Like okay. it would stop it for a minute, because I think the dog would be like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> hey, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> what what is that? Wow." So at least I'd get like a minute of peace, like mm. from what he was doing. So so between the dog scraping and banging on the on the on the on the floor, and your boyfriend going, "Motherfucker, shoot your six! It was a little uh, right. It was a little much. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, anyway, we got more crazy neighbor stories that we'll get to, uh, and uh, and obviously Esmeralda is living with the obnoxious neighbor. Uh, we didn't. We didn't know that. <laughs> oh God. Oh man. All right. Well, yeah, and I I knew nothing of the entire thing because I was not home. Right. <laughs> at all. Right. <laughs> so. Well. Uh, 
so we'll have more of those. And again, um, we want to we want to stack them up and 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 read a whole bunch of them and play a whole bunch of them back. So any crazy crazy neighbor story that you have, please feel free voicemail us anytime you want seven seven three four one seven six nine four eight. We'll go through them and play them and email us at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And thank you to the to the few that we got, and we will uh, mm-hmm. read those and play those back. So uh, I do want to tell you, Esmeralda, today yeah. is a very important date. I don't know if you know this or not. It's a very important oh. anniversary. Are oh, you ready okay. for, for this being a very important anniversary? That I don't know, maybe yeah, you, might have to sure. al- you might have to alter your plans in order to have a celebration. <laughs> today is the 27th anniversary. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Of the release of the movie Motherfucking Mortal Kombat. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, man. I should have known that. 27 years. How old does oh, that make you goodness. feel? How old does that I make mean, you feel? I mean, and I was like, you know, yeah. I wasn't a baby. So, <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. The movie. Get over here. That, the. I mean, I am ten, like 13 years older. Yeah, because I was like 13. I'm 13 yeah. years older than that damn movie. <laughs> 27 years ago, the original Mortal Kombat, not the R-rated nonsense that came out last year. I'm talking about the original one. Right. Yes. 27 years ago, Mortal Kombat was released, um, which I think many people consider one of the only at least entertaining and fun movies based on a video game. Because most movies based on video games, they all suck. Uh, Street Fighter. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, well yes, okay, because you got Van, you got some Van Damage in that. You got Raul Julia. It so always makes ridiculous. It is, it is, but it always makes. You know why? There's a there's a tinge of sadness about that. Hmm. It's because that's the last movie that Raul Julia ever made. Yeah, and I was like, man, you know, Ooh. like that because because he's the, he was the fucking man. Raul Julia was the man. Yeah, and like I'm like, man, that's the last movie. You know, like sometimes you look back and you. You think about, but some he of the did last it. Movie. He did it because he did it for his kids. He did. I know that. I know that. And he was so. There's he, that at least. And also, like watching it, he was sick when they made it, and you can mm. kind of see that he was very gaunt and and all that. So, I, I can understand the love of it, but I always get kind of depressed because. But I then it worked. It all worked because um, Bison was. He kind yeah. of looks like that in the video game. I, yeah. So I it, guess. it worked. I, out. <laughs> But now, it's Mortal Kombat helped him. Mortal Kombat, <laughs> though, um, I remember seeing that movie with my buddies at the drive-in, and we were laughing our mm-hmm. asses off during the whole thing. And then it's like, dan, 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 dan. they did the whole, all of that stuff is in the movie, correct? Was it? Now you're a fan of the video game. No, I'm a fan of the movie. Oh, you're not <laughs> just a fan. I, of the movie. We never, we didn't have the video game. Oh, so you liked the movie without prior knowledge of the video game? Yeah, That's I mean, I know stuff. I know stuff from the video game, but. I didn't, um, I didn't know, um, like, I didn't know it personally because we never played it. We never had it. I never had the video game. So I never had a console. I've never, except for Pong in the seventies. And I'm not kidding. Except for Pong (laughs) in the seventies. I've never had any game units, devices, any of that shit. I've never had any of it. And so when I would see movies based on video games, I, Mm -hmm. it's all kind of lost on me. If I'm supposed to like it for certain reasons, I found Mortal Kombat to be entertaining in a stupid kind of way. And the oh, only yeah. one the only one that I legitimately like, we've talked about this before, movies based on video games. The only one that I actually think is a good film and a really, really good movie, and I don't understand it, and it doesn't make a lick of sense, but I still love it, that's Silent Hill. Silent Hill, mm. I think Silent Hill is a great movie and very creepy and very weird. Um, 
and I never played the video game, so I don't know if it's accurate or not. I just like that movie. But yeah. every other video game movie is shit. I mean, shit. Yes. And I'm counting all oh, the Resident, um, all the Resident Mario Evil Brothers. movies. Mario Brothers. Again, <laughs> you know, I, was that the last movie? That, that was that the, That's not the last movie Bob Hoskins made. No, I don't think it is. But it was, no, 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 no. No, because no, he died in the 2000s. No. Yeah, he died in the yeah. 2000s. Um, had John but, yeah. Leguizamo. Leguizamo's in it, man. <laughs> Neither of them are, are Italian. You know what I mean? Neither of them are Italian. Right. Although, wait, Hoskins might have a bit of Italian in him. I'm not sure. I know Leguizamo's yeah. not. I know for sure. Leguizamo's yeah. Not. Um. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> that movie is very like basic of what Mario Brothers is because Mario Brothers isn't really. There's not much of a storyline, really. I mean, they're also, I, like, in fantastical worlds. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I don't know anything. I know there's a monkey, and he throws barrels at them, and they jump over it. That's all I know. Yeah, that's that Donkey a, Kong. Okay, but, yeah, that's Donkey Kong. But isn't that <laughs> but the same dude? I think dudes, that's, like, though? a separate... It okay. is... Um, I believe in the original, it's at least... I don't know if it's actually Mario or if it's just somebody who looks like him, because at the time, like, they were just <laughs> putting whatever... I think he was just... Plumber characters. man. I think he was just like plumber man at that time or something. Yeah, like he wasn't. I don't know if he had a, he had the full name in history, but I because I was in high school when Donkey Kong came out and it became it was a very popular game and I played it because I was I I you know listen I am of the age that when Pac Man and all of those video games hit I was I you know I was in high school and so it was mm-hmm. you know you, we would go to Aladdin's castle in the hip and fucking play video games and stuff and. So I was not into it. I was not as into it as my friends, but, you know, mm-hmm. that whole thing is not a mystery to me. So I understand, you know, how to play Donkey Kong and things like that. But once you get into the home games and the whole Mario yeah. Kart and all that shit, I have no idea what any of that is. So Mario actually made his first appearance in Donkey Kong. Okay. So then I guess from there they gave him a spinoff of the video game. Got it. Now, did, did you know? do you know the theory? And I don't know whether this is true or not. This is an urban legend. But the story is that, do you know why it's called Donkey Kong or how it became called Donkey Kong? Uh, no. Okay, this is the story that I heard. Because there's no fucking donkeys in it, as you know. Right, he is a gorilla. He's a gorilla. (laughs) And so what the original uh, Japanese game, uh, they made a mistake in the translation. It was supposed to be Monkey Kong. And they made a mistake in the translation and they changed it from an M to a D. And that's why, mm. by mistake, that's why it's called Donkey Kong. Interesting. So Although it should I like have been, it. Yeah, I like it sh- that he's Donkey Kong. I do too. That's his but name then. Now, yeah. Now, now again, that might be just something somebody made up after the fact. But I had heard maybe that the reason why it's called Donkey Kong was all a mistake in translation. It should have been Monkey Kong. Um, but it became Donkey Kong and they couldn't change it. And then that's how it became Donkey Kong. Or at least that's the story that I heard. I mean, there's also the, I mean, I think we talked about this before, where Mario, his full name is Mario Mario. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. His last name is Mario. So Luigi right. is Luigi Mario. Right. So, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm not that surprised that they were, that they changed it M to a D. <laughs> yeah. Mario and like, Mario. like, it's fine. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And yeah, it, yeah, it, it, you're right because it's Mario, Mario because they're because they are the Mario mm-hmm. brothers, and I don't know if yes. they, I can't remember whether that <laughs> is mentioned in um in the movie 
that his name, his brother's name um, is? I don't think they do. They probably, I wonder if they name him something else just to like, you know. I don't remember anything it. about that movie except that I took a date, a first date to see it. Oh wow! It was a, it was a, it was like a, wow. a screen. It was a screening, and um, oh okay. And you know, she, I go, she, I'm like, hey, listen, we we met at a bar, of course. And one night at the bar, I was drinking. I'm like, hey, you want to come with me to a screening tomorrow? You know, I was trying to impress her. Hey, I get to see movies ahead of time. You know, I can take. I you to don't see a movie. think they. Oh wait, in the movie cast, Bob Hoskins as Mario Mario. Right. <laughs> so I guess they do. So they do. Interesting. They either they don't say anything because they just go, "I'm Mario and Luigi," right? But they are and the Mario the brothers. Credits, yeah, yeah, to exactly so, do it. They Mario, Mario, and and Luigi I've always Mario. thought that you know, I've always thought that that Paul Thomas Anderson did like a weird tribute to that in Magnolia, mm-hmm. and here's here's why. Now, and again, really? I've, seen, I've okay. seen Magnolia way too many times, and maybe I'm analyzing mm-hmm. this a little too much. But the character that Alfred Molina plays, um. The incredible Alfred Molina. Uh, mm-hmm. He plays is is his he plays William H Macy's boss, Quiz Kids Donnie Smith's boss at the electronics store where they fire his ass at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. and it is Solomon Electronics. That's the name of the company, and he and his brother Avi. Uh, the they are the Solomon brothers, so mm-hmm. his brother Avi Solomon and 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 he is Solomon Solomon of the Solomon brothers. <laughs> so yeah. Maybe so I, I'm thinking no, and I've thought this before. I'm like, this has got to be some sort of because Paul Thomas Anderson is that kind of dork, that kind of geek that he would do that. Yeah. But Solomon Solomon of the Solomon Brothers Corporation and his brother Avi Solomon, they are the Solomon Brothers who run the Solomon Brothers Electronic Store. So, so Alfred Molina plays Solomon Solomon in it. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It could be. I'm reaching maybe, but I don't know. Maybe a little uh, bit. Yeah. But so Mortal Kombat though. Yeah. Is we should be celebrating Mortal Kombat. Twenty-seven years. Um, that is years. amazing. I mean, I, I love rem- that movie. I know. You I, do. Now, like I a- said, I haven't seen the, or I haven't the- really played the video games, but right. I remember they were like very, at the time, um, very gruesome, like violent, really very gross, violent. yeah, yeah, and yeah, very violent, yeah, yeah. No, they um, it made they made like Donnie and now Hugh- it's like nothing. <laughs> no, exactly. But it, at that day, at that time, you know, it made the, you know, like Sally Jesse talked about it. Donahue talked. You know what I mean? All mm-hmm. the, the daytime talk show people were like, is there too much violence in video games? And they always pointed out Mortal Kombat as the most guilty party of violence yeah. in video games. Because spines are getting ripped out and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then that's why when, pe- when the movie came out, when the original movie came out, the hardcore fans of the video game were pissed because it was PG-13. And they were yeah. Like, there really people, wasn't anything and, gross in it. No, anymore. not at all. It's PG. It's PG thirteen at the most. And so that's why they made the one from a couple of years ago or last year, because it was hard R and it was blood, and yeah. guts, and violence. And they wanted to appease all the people that have been pissed off for twenty five years. <laughs> I mean, if it. you are gonna do a video game movie that is based off of a very violent gruesome movie and then there's nothing like what in the yeah. hell <laughs> it did piss off a lot of people i remember because some of my friends we went to the like i said we all went to the drive-in to see it a bunch of us went to the drive-in. Mm-hmm. we go like we got to see this stupid ass movie and we got to see it at the drive-in so we went 
And a couple of my buddies who played the game were like, man, this is nothing. You know, they were watching the movie. <laughs> They're like, why yeah. is it? You know, because there was, there was absolutely no violence. Nobody's heads got ripped off, no blood. It was as sanitized as you could possibly get knowing the reputation and what the contents were of the video game of Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Uh, and they actually, they've, so they redeemed themselves, I guess, with the movie that came out uh, last, last two year, years year ago. Before. Yeah, two years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's also, and then I had seen this before that came out, there was an animated um, movie, and I found it on, it was on HBO Max. It was animated, and it was it was essentially the the storyline for um the new movie for the that had okay come out. and it was animated it was animated so okay. it was like 20 times yeah more violent it, it was uh <laughs> i mean i'm assuming it's japanime and and that that shit's out of control sometimes like that's yeah really it was gets... crazy it's i would say that was better than the actual movie i'm sure that that's the one that people <laughs> like the most like the, no seriously i'm sure that that's the one that people like the most you remember when they made a goddamn live action movie out of ghost in the shell with scarlett johansson like they the... like a, a, a classic japanime you know a, a, i mean like a landmark film in the world of japanese animation and they have a white girl playing the <laughs> playing yeah. the part because she I mean, looked, they ruined she, looked, she looked good in the suit in the body suit. I mean, That's they what. ruined they ruined that. They ruined Eon Flux. Oh, Eon Flux was such a cool yeah. animated show. And then yeah, just do yeah. this piece of crap. And it was it was it was that was before that was when Charlize Theron was on my shit list for a long time, man. Because mm. I didn't like I didn't like her in Monster. I don't think she deserved the Academy Award for Monster. Eon Flux mm. came out. I'm like, are you kidding me? It wasn't until she became like the greatest female character in cinematic history with Furiosa where I was like, oh, yeah. now I like her. You know, what I mean? you know what I mean? Yeah. But no, when but Eon Flux just, came out. I remember. Oh. Yeah. I love that show is the great. Best. And that show is like, it makes you uncomfortable. It's like weird yep. and like just the drawing style is yep. interesting. And then they do this and it's like, what? It was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. And unfortunately, the, the woman who directed is Karen Kusama, who's a terrific filmmaker. She did Girl Fight, and then since then she did a really terrifying movie called The Invitation. She did mm-hmm. Jennifer's Body. She's a really terrific filmmaker. And so, like, that was like, what are you doing? And I remember when Eon Flux... You know who I talked about Eon Flux with on the, on the podcast here a few weeks ago? Esmeralda was uh, your, oh. best friend, your best friend, Alex Winter. Oh. We talked about it because that show was popular when he was pitching Idiot Box to MTV. Right. And he was talking about how that's the direction they wanted to go. That's why Beavis and Butthead got, you know, traction. Yeah, well, no, that was... Um, liquid and, Television. And when you, yeah, Liquid Television. When yeah. you were telling me about Idiot Box, I'm like, oh, so it's like Liquid Television. Except it's live action. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, no, no, yeah, you're right. I mean, that, so video game movies are just not, they're not good. But we celebrate Mortal Kombat. I think you should watch that movie uh, I think uh, tonight. I will. In celebration of its 27th uh. anniversary. And that movie, it's just so terrible. It is, but it, it, it but is. But it's like I, silly, and and they I, also, I feel like they, they're like, a wink? We're silly. Oh, no, clearly. <laughs> no, no, clearly. And, and I'll tell you what. Oh, God, I'm blanking on his name. The guy who played the main dude is a badass uh, uh, martial arts star in Asia. Like, he's a, ba- oh, he's a yeah. bad motherfucker. Um, like Robin Chu. He's the real Robin deal. You know, so they hired a guy. They got a guy. It wasn't like they got some, you know, some Hollywood jagoff who couldn't do martial arts. They got a guy who mm-hmm. knew his shit. You know what I mean? And so. Yeah, well, he, he was in Beverly Hills Ninja. Yes, he was. With... Teamed up with Chris Farley. Yes. 
Yes. And he was also in Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. Yeah. Which is also not a crazy movie. movie. Have you now that's got one of the greatest bad performances in the history of movies. It's uh, Chris Klein. Chris Klein. That performance, that performance, it's one of my I've seen that movie probably a dozen times just because of him. Oh, because he's so (laughs) bad in it. It is like one of the greatest. Like if you know how you go back and you watch movies because the performances are so, so incredibly awful that they're great. Yeah. I, yeah. honest to God, I think that Chris Klein in that, what, what the hell is it called? Street Fighter, right? Mm-hmm. Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. Right. His performance in that movie, I think top three of the greatest, hilarious, unintentionally, unintentionally hilarious bad performances in the history of movies. He's unbelievably funny in that movie. <laughs> I have seen, like, clips. It's uh, that they've like put together of oh. his character from yeah. that movie. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't understand it. It's funny, but it makes me so sad because like I love Chun Li. Like that was always the the yeah. one I would play for Street Fighter, and right. then they ruin it. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, it's a terrible movie, but it's anchored by that ridiculous, hilarious performance. And the yeah. thing is, and the thing is that Chris Klein, and I don't know how much he's worked since then. But he has given a couple of performances, in my estimation, that are amazing. Like, like he's unbelievable in Election. He's unbelievably great in that movie. It's one of my favorite like performances ever. I mean, everybody that I think that's Reese Witherspoon's best performance. I think it's Matthew yeah. Broderick's best work. Um, you know, the the uh, the Chris Klein, the the girl who played his sister who killed herself, unfortunately, young actress. She's amazing in that movie. And I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. And Chris Klein's amazing. And I love him in American Pie, the first American Pie. And, and I back him in a couple of other things. But man, when that Street Fighter movie came out, I remember sitting in the screening room with all the critics. And we were just kind of looking at each other going, what the hell is this guy doing? What? Yeah. <laughs> what is this performance? What is this? Oh, man. Yeah, because that, so that was 2009. Right. And <laughs> he hasn't really done no. anything that. Of course. No, he hasn't. <laughs> Like after that, there hasn't been anything. Yeah, I don't know before if that movie that. I'm trying to think because I, I okay the the two that pop up. I mean, you know, like all the American Pie movies, but particularly the first one because the first one obviously is the only great one of the American. Yeah, Pie but movies. let's see the last movie that looks like it's something. Yeah. We are now analyzing is... the, the career of Chris Klein, by the way. <laughs> this is how well, we... Well, so this... in 2002, he did okay. We Were Soldiers. Oh, yes. that Yes, that's the um, uh, Mel Gibson movie. Which looks... He's good in it. Yeah. Okay, what else? before that was Let's... Rollerball. Oh, God. Oh, God. He's in the remake of Rollerball. Oh, my God. It's awful. It's so... So in 2002... Oh, yeah, God. so that seems like that's where the decline is. Because that's it. in 2001, he did American Pie 2. Right. And then it just goes rollerball. We were so, soldiers. Yeah. like, And it's just like all these movies that don't seem. Oh, he did Just Friends. That movie with Ryan oh, Reynolds. Right. That's not good. Yeah. Okay. Um, so no. That, that one was like something. So I guess it was a fluke. Maybe maybe, maybe he really is as dumb as his character in Election. Maybe oh, he that... was in, um, was this movie any good? American Dreams? No. Okay, so the I, I feel like that was the decline over where Rollerball started. <laughs> you mean the, you mean the decline? 
Yeah, because everything else looks like made for TV right. or like straight to video. Yeah. It was, it was by the time, well, actually, I mean, by the time he did Street Fighter, I think his career was over because you don't do a movie like that. You know what I mean? Like if you're getting great offers, no, you don't yeah. say, I think I'll be in Street Fighter as the insane no, cop. <laughs> 2002, sadly enough, like election was 99. Yes. He did American Pie that same year. Right. And then. Was there anything before election? Uh, not according to right. so Alexander uh, Wikipedia. Payne, Alexander Payne discovered him. Alexander Payne, who is a genius, discovered him. I, and I'm, here's my guess. He is the guy from Election because he's a dipshit in, in the American Pie movies, too. Because he's, he's, he's a dummy in, in the American Pie movies. He's not Stifler dumb. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he's, he's like but he's, nice dumb. He's nice dumb, which he isn't. Which he isn't it's exactly what he is in Election. He's, he's, it's a beautiful character, like a lovely, beautiful character who happens to be one of the dumbest humans on the planet, but have you seen Election Esmeralda? Yeah. Oh yeah, God, yeah. he's he's just so. I love him in that movie. He had yeah. a very uh, short career. He did. I will yeah. say if uh, <laughs> because from Election to American Pie two, because that seems to be like the last. Because then he does Rollerball, and then it just starts. Yeah, and then well, I forgot spiraling about Rollerball. down, down. Rollerball, down. <laughs> Rollerball. The remake of Rollerball is a fucking plight. In the world, I mean, I and because the original Rollerball is a classic. The late great James Caan, for God's sake. Um, who is who's in this Rollerball? LL Cool J. Yeah, LL Cool J's in it. Directed by John Badham. Can you look that up and see if I'm right on uh, that? John McTiernan. John, oh, McTiernan directed it. So the director of Die Hard, by the way, that's the director of <laughs> Die Hard. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Yeah, that was the beginning of the end for him. And I guess he was limited. I guess he was, I guess he was so good in election was because, you know what? Alexander Payne found him and went, this guy's perfect because he's a dipshit. So let's put him Mm. him in. I cannot believe that we have analyzed Chris Klein's career. I I, thank you. There's not much to analyze, (laughs) oddly enough. Yeah, because it's all just like, you know, straight to DVD movies that, like, this is just, we're getting. Yeah. Paid. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, and then he did American Reunion, which was the American in Pie in 2012, which was another American Pie. The, and all of the American Pie movies suck after the first one. Yeah, they all but this suck. one, it, this one, everyone came back. This yeah. one was everybody from the because they did a bunch of them without the original cast. The and and I and I was yeah, really, I they, remember going. They did those offshoots. They were yeah, Band Camp and all the other bullshit. And without for the, some reason, um, what's his face was in them all. Stifler, uh, Eugene no. Levy. Oh, yeah, Eugene Levy's in all of them, isn't he? He yeah. seemed to be like the thread. Yeah, he's in all of them. I, I will say this, that I was really looking forward to, because I, I love American Pie. I think American Pie is a great movie, like legitimately mm-hmm. great movie. Um, and I remember when I, when, back when I was working at the car wash and I was, um, uh, you remember Dave Marzullo? I believe he's still like the, uh, he's, the, uh, yeah. I, yeah, he's yeah. the, he's the IT tech, you know, internet guru website guy master mm-hmm. so uh back in the early days of the of the internet this is 1999 uh on the wgn website uh i would have to send stuff to him to post up on my page and so i, I sent him my top 10 list for 1999 and uh american pie was on it 
and it was like pretty high. I think it was like number five or six in 1999. Mm-hmm. Or no, no, it was a little bit lower because 1999 was extraordinary. You're, see, your Magnolia came out. So, it, it, <laughs> I mean, an incredible year. 1999, if you go back and look at the films of 1999, Esmeralda, seriously, it is one of the greatest years in the history of cinema because like, well, for me, Magnolia came out, but Fight Club came out in 99. Um, uh, uh, Blair Witch came out in 99. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I mean, anyway, but the great, I'm, I'm blanking on all of them, but there were much more than exist, existence came out. Of course, these are movies that I love that nobody else, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I, I included, you know, I, like I said, I put American pie and I remember Dave calling me and saying, Hey, did you make a mistake on your top 10 list? And I'm like, why? He's like, you put, shouldn't that be, shouldn't that be American beauty? Not American pie. And I was like, fuck mm. no. Cause American beauty is crap. It's American pie. And so, like that, everybody thought that I made a mistake. That yeah. I that it was probably American Beauty won <laughs> Best Picture that year, and I hate that movie. I hate American Beauty. But I remember him saying, "Oh, you mean American Beauty, right?" And I'm like, "No, I mean American Pie. Like, legitimately, American Pie is a great movie." So, <laughs> but then all the sequels were so. I was so disappointed because I loved that first one so much. I still do. Yeah. I yeah. Those are just cash movie. grabs. Like, oh, yeah. it's American Pie. Yeah. And everybody's so everybody is so goddamn good in those movies. I mean, the first one, like Natasha Leone is in it for Christ's sake. Remember when yeah. Tara when Tara Reed was good, and and uh, Jason Biggs, uh, the whole cast, man. I mean, uh, yeah. Sean Michael and Scott. That, but that's when they and then they had to make their choices. Yeah, of where the, what to do, and some did not. Well, everybody no. is anybody like still well, good? Sean Michael Scott is in. Welcome to Flatch, which is a movie, which is a TV show that I'm the only person who watches, <laughs> and he's very good in that. And um, I mean, don't count Eugene Levy, obviously, because he's Eugene Levy. He's but about- yeah, but he's not the main. Well, Natasha Natasha Leone has gone on to okay, yeah, shit. she's the only one doing like super right. well. And I a mean, great, I guess great, a- what's her face, the redhead. Um, Allison Hannon, she was in. Yeah, Allison Hannon. She's in mother. the Big Bang and the Big. Ba- no, no, she's in How I Met Your Mother. I get those shows mixed up. Yeah, um, same thing. And Jason uh, Biggs is Biggs. Nah, not so much. I don't much. know what he's doing. Um, he's... And who, who, who are the other uh, the kid, the, the the little bastard from uh, I Broke My Arm and I Throw Fast, uh, the the Cub movie that I the the movie that the, I was hanging out with Gary oh, Busey um, when he was uh, shooting Thomas it. Thomas Ian Nichols. He, yeah, he's the kid from the uh, Rookie of the Year. He's the kid from Rookie oh, of the Year. Yes. Um, and I don't know what he's done, you know, since then. Um, Nothing. But for that brief moment, for that brief moment in the summer of 1999, you know what I mean? Yeah. They were the, they were the deal, man. They were my favorite. They were like my favorite young ensemble ever. Yeah, because none of these, yeah, none I, of them really went on I too really, much. I really love that movie. And I was not the audience. When that movie came out, I was in my right. late 30s. <laughs> You know, right? No, it was in my. How old was I? Was I turned? Yeah, so I was thirty-four when that movie came out. So I was not the target audience for that movie, and yet it was like I adored it. I saw it like eight hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were the target audience, right? In it, it, so nineteen ninety-nine. Uh, yeah. yeah, in ninety-nine, I was. Yeah, I was like seventeen, eighteen. There you go. So that. So how did that movie? How did you feel about it when you saw it when you were younger? I mean, it was fine. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't like this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Like it right. was funny. I just remember, it, but you know, to an inappropriate thirty-four-year-old to jump all over that movie. <laughs> I mean, I think I've only seen it. Honestly, I've only seen it like once. Oh my god, or maybe twice. Oh my god, Esmeralda, you need to fix but, yeah. that. Oh mm. man, 
<laughs> no, it's so good. The first, the first American Pie. I love that movie. I love that movie. And I remember, you know, when it came out, like people were literally, like so many people were like, "No, you mean American Beauty?" Like everybody was like, "How, how do you include American Pie in your top ten and not American Beauty?" I'm like, "Well, it's easy because American Pie is a good movie and American Beauty is a bad movie." So anyway, uh, oh god. All right, how the hell did we get? Oh, Chris Klein. We've been analyzing yes. the. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Chris Klein. Oh man, this is it. So we've completely well. Listen, we'll get to the um, to the crazy neighbor stuff. We'll even save that more. I do have a couple of. Well, yeah, let's to... save it when we do get some more stories yeah. from people. Because well, exactly, that'll be that'll be cool. But we did hear a great one from you, Jesus Christ. I mean, this is a classic. You're living with the bad neighbor, so that's yeah. a classic story. <laughs> oh God. So we'll save that for when we get more. And again, we want to hear your crazy neighbor stories. 773-417-6948, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. All right, you want to hear some freaky freak accidents? Remember we were talking about this before? Yes. All right, here's a, here's a, what, well, let me, let me do this real quick here. If you were thrilled by the towering inferno, if you were terrified by earthquake, then you will be scared shitless by the Samuel L. Bronkowitz production of That's Armageddon. That's right. Are you are you ready to be scared shitless, Esmeralda? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Um, all right. How about this? Uh, a four-year-old boy was killed in 2012 when a six-foot-tall tombstone fell on him. <gasps> In Utah's Glenwood Cemetery, the boy was playing behind the statue when it fell. Ooh. Oh, my God. That's terrible. That's that creepy. You, you, don't be fucking around in the cemetery, man. They're going to get yeah. you. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't like. Um, how many years ago was this? It was a while. It, uh, it was in L.A. We went. um we were visiting LA and Colin got us tickets to go see the lost boys. Oh, in the graveyard, uh, in the cemetery. Uh, yeah. In the graveyard. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. was just like, uh, I was a little like about it because I don't know. I just don't like the idea of people just like sitting on people's graves. That's a very popular thing. Uh, Esmeralda. Um, yeah, I'm not a and fan. That, and, that, and that, and that, uh, that Hollywood cemetery, they do it all the time. And in fact, uh, when I was talking with uh, PJ souls, cause they do, they used to do it every year. They would do Rock and Roll High School because they would do it on the anniversary of Joey Ramone's death. They would screen it at oh, the okay. uh, and and uh, and and actually they screamed it on on the Ramones' tomb, on one of the oh. Ramones' tombs. I, or, or no, maybe not. No, because I think they're buried mm. in New York. Because they're obviously New York guys. So they maybe have, but, there's a but, there's a couple of them. <laughs> there's a couple of there's one Ramone at um, he's not in the forever. In the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, he's in a different one. Maybe it, yeah. Where there's a lot of celebrities. Yeah, that's the one, Esmeralda. That's the one. That's where they show the movies, and that's where they that's where they show. But uh, yeah, the Hollywood uh, Forever yeah. is like the big one. Yeah, they can, I, they screen. I, I, I assume they have a giant. The, oh, wait, was it the same one? I, I, it, I think it is the same one because it's that one. It's that one cemetery. My friends used to go, and LA friends used to go all the time. But you went there for the Lost Boys. Speaking of Alex Winter. I know, yeah. <laughs> and what happened? Was there something? What happened? Um, no, nothing happened. It was just oh. I, I was like, just kind of like, Ugh. yeah, the you don't want to be walking that, like, on people's people graves. Just, yeah, yeah, people are just walking on people's graves. Like God knows, like if they're even like, yeah, using the facilities about, or if they're you, know, just you get drunk and pee on, on somebody's grave. grave. Okay, yeah, like right, I just just not into it that much. Here's two more of that. here. 
but we can close with these two, and they're both elevator related. So we can both because I freak out on in elevators. So mm. this will. How about you? Are you are you fine with elevators? Uh, yes, but I do like think about it. All right, every are you time ready? I'm in an elevator, I think about like what could happen. Here's here. I'll give you something to think about here. Here you go. Okay. A Manhattan a Manhattan advertising executive was crushed to death in 2011 after an elevator she was entering began to ascend with the doors open, trapping her against the shaft wall and dragging her up eight floors. Oh, okay. Yeah, see? Hmm. <laughs> These are the things I think about. I think about those things, though. Here's another one for you. You ready? A very similar accident occurred a year later, New York again, when ad executive Suzanne Hart, another executive and Manhattan executive, was crushed to death after an open elevator began to move. Mm-mm-mm. And then there are all the stories about people who walk into empty elevator shafts. Like in, uh, didn't, didn't like St. Elsewhere, didn't one of those TV shows end? Wasn't there a cliffhanger where they killed a character who fell down an elevator shaft? Oh, God. You, you, you look that up real quick, Esmeralda. Like St. Elsewhere. Jesus. Like I think it was St. Elsewhere. And one of the characters, one of the actors or the actresses, I guess their contract was up and they weren't going to re-sign. So they're like, we're, we're <laughs> going to kill like, Boom, just we're go gonna down. Throw you, we're going to throw you down an elevator shaft. Uh, yes. So what is the story? Uh, you... Dr. Peter White. Oh, it was, it was a was, guy. Okay. Yes, who was played by... Where to go? Where to go? Peter uh, White. That was the... The character. Yes. Oh, now they're just telling me all like the weird ways people died. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. So oh, here we go. Um, he was the, oh, goodness. He was a bad boy doctor and right. a rapist. Right. Who Jesus. was he played by? Did they have the actor? Uh, Terrence Knox. Terrence Knox played this. So they threw his ass down an elevator shaft. Oh, no, he wait fell... a minute. Well, this says, well, this says he was shot to death. Well, then somebody fell down an elevator shaft on St. Elsewhere. Yeah. It was a woman. I looked that I think up, it was and then a... it said. Wait. We have to solve this mystery before we get out of here. Oh, come on. Uh, okay, wait a minute. Let me. I'm, I'm starting to. Because right. it, it tells me that, but then it didn't. Mm. Okay. Oh, here it is. Um... All right. Or wait, no, wait. Is that real? St. Elsewhere. <laughs> Seen elsewhere. Death on TV has been killed off in a variety of ways. Oh yeah, no, it was it was him. It was Terrence Knox. Here's what it says: um, Bad it boy doctor rapist. It says here cause of death elevator shaft plunge. That's what it says here uh, on on a, on a website called something Deseret News. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. Are you looking at just the search? Yeah, because it says yeah, elevator. That's um for some reason there's. It's not that. Because oh, okay. when you click in, it then tells you the whole thing. Okay. And that's right. not what happened. All right. So Buffy and the Vampire Slayer. I don't know where Chicago the other one is. Law and Order, oh, 30-something. Uh, Royal Family. Let me do uh, a Hill Street elevator. Blues. Cheers. Good times. Oh, um, here we go. Uh, L.A. Law. Oh, okay. L.A. Law. All right. And it was a woman, right? Um, yes. She was, it was attorney Rosalind Shays. Played okay. by Diana Moldor. That's it. Diana Moldor. Right. Right. She was uh, brought into the firm and then forced out. 
and, and, and now without fall, a fight and a lawsuit, and then she fell, she fell down she an elevator shaft. That's what it was. It was L.A. Stepped law. Stepped into an empty shaft and fell right. to her death. And I remember the only reason I remember that is because like Saint Elsewhere and L.A. Law were popular at around exactly the same time. You know what I mean? They were right. They were like the big primetime dramas, and I think they were produced by the same dude. It might have been David E. Kelly or mm. one of those idiots. And by the way, and according to this, the surprise was greater than the sorrow. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. They rated it no tissue boxes. Although it what wasn't, a horrible it wasn't, way to go. It wasn't it was sad, sad at all. No, because no they want. Well, first of all, I, I, <laughs> here's the deal. The behind the scenes story is that the actress was a real pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Nobody liked her, and she was a good, she wanted like as much money as like the like Harry Hamlin and like real people were getting, like real mm. names were getting. And so as a result, the producers were like, "We're writing her off the show. We're not going to p- renew her contract. We're not paying her, and we're going to throw her down an elevator shaft." <laughs> That's how. Damn. It <laughs> By the way, if you ever see the movie, you ever seen the movie The Pope of Greenwich Village? Uh, I have not. No. Eric Roberts, Mickey Rourke. This was back when both those guys were badasses at the height of their coolness and actor prowess. Now they're both loons. I mean, Eric yeah. Roberts, Eric Roberts still rules, but Mickey Rourke is gone. But back in the this was 1984, and this was when Eric Roberts and uh, Mickey Rourke were like the pinnacle of acting and the pinnacle of cool, mm-hmm. and. Pope of Greenwich Village is a great movie. If you've never seen it, it's a terrific movie, and they're great in it. And Geraldine Page got an Oscar nomination for playing the mother of a, of a cop who is killed after he falls down an elevator shaft. Oh, my God. And there's a lot of elevator shafts. i just shafts, like, so. how do you do that? <laughs> well, he fell down the elevator shaft because he came in during a robbery, and they shot at him, and he went down the elevator shaft. And he oh, ended okay. up dying in the elevator shaft. Um, but Geraldine Page, who has only two scenes in that movie, got nominated for Best Supporting Actress because that's how badass Geraldine Page was. Yeah. She's in two scenes. And she at one point goes, don't bother me about my son. He fell down the elevator shaft. And I'll never forget the way she said it. <laughs> and that was the, that was the line that did it. They're that like, was it. That was it. You needs... should look it up, Esmeralda. Look up, just look up her <laughs> monologue. She's got a monologue where she goes, don't bother me. My son fell down the elevator shaft. Because it's like this oh really, ex- like really exquisite sort of push New York accent. <laughs> So it's elevated shaft. So so make sure you look it up, Esmeralda. Look it up and just watch it because you'll get a kick out. Yeah, of it. it's a Geraldine Page, just Geraldine Page, Pope of Greenwich Village, elevator shaft. It's the elevated shaft. I'm telling oh, you, it's goodness. great. In between puffs of us, you know, like a cool 100, she's smoking. So, <laughs> anyway, all right, all right. Well, there you go. Ele- some, some some scary stuff there, Ugh. and elevator shafts are are not good. God damn it, Nick. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, listen, Esmeralda. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Uh, have a lovely weekend with Jim Belushi in the prison. I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Tell Colin, yep. to, st- tell Colin to stop screaming, uh, and everybody yes. will be happy. And you'll get another gift card from Target. Yeah, maybe. Okay. All right. If you want to be a part of the podcast, you can. Uh, leave us voicemails and emails. Voicemail 773-417-6948. Emails nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Advertise with us. Become a sponsor. Contact us, sales at radiomisfits.com. I want to thank everybody involved here. Uh, Jason Skaggs, my buddy. Uh, Esmeralda Leon, the best. Ed, uh, who uh, puts this whole thing together. Radiomisfits.com, best uh, uh, web uh, broad- broadcasts ever. And uh, my buddies Eric and Steve for reviewing movies. Hey, uh, next time on the show, Jim Ryan is going to join us on the next episode. Uh, music writer from Forbes and uh, Daily Herald. We've got a lot of music to talk about. Um, and a lot of concerts and all kinds of cool stuff. So, Esmeralda, have a great weekend, and we will talk to you next time, okay? Yes, thank you. Thanks thanks for uh, for listening, and we'll uh, see you uh, on the next episode of the Big Podcast. Bye.